Hello everyone, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Tuesday the 9th of March. I'm joined today by Gabby Carzer, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Hi there, Gabby. How are you doing today? Good morning, Peter. I'm great. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Enjoying um, incredibly sunny weather uh, today. So, you know, feeling feeling good, feeling good. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> How was the, the first day of school for the kids yesterday? Um, well, it was successful. They they weren't sent back. Um, <laughs> I mean, they did they did appear at the right time. And, you know, there, there seemed to be uh, nothing, nothing wrong. So that was good. Um, but I'm, I'm enjoying actually walking them into school. I'm trying to do that at the moment because I think that's a it's a good thing for many, many reasons. Um, and especially when it's when it's nice like this. So. Uh, so, you know, long may that last. Yeah, uh, lovely. Anyway, so what um, what did you think was particularly interesting today, Gabby? So I was interested in the IWG story, um, also thinking about the story relating to the city awaiting a building boom of office approvals. Um, I think it kind of links to what you're just talking about, about being able to walk the kids to school. Um, I was thinking of the wider question of remote working. It's definitely a trending topic at the moment as we feel that um, it might be the way that life is headed as the pandemic kind of um, peters out a little bit. Mm. Um, So the story that you reported on was that IWG, which is currently the world's biggest flexible office company, has just secured its biggest ever customer, which is the Japanese telecoms giant NTT. Um, I just thought this was quite surprising personally, um, since they've just reported a 650 million pound loss last year due to coronavirus, which I don't think is too unexpected. Um, But the IWG chief executive, Mark Dixon, came out and said that they anticipate a massive surge in growth um, and that the sheer scale of their global network positions position them in in a unique place to benefit from a surging demand. I just thought this excessive emphasis on a surge in growth and surge in demand was rather surprising and I think a little bit optimistic, but I'm happy to hear someone so cheery about their job. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Right? Sorry, carry on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we've we've talked about the disasters of WeWork's IPO in the past and and what this kinds of me what this means for um, companies that promote hybrid working facilities and and try to encourage that flexible office structure. Um, and it just kind of led me to think about how how much we really think there will be a massive surge in growth for this. Um, clearly, as you said, that um, someone in the City of London's Corporation Planning Committee thinks that there will be a big surge of growth because they've just approved the creation of over two million square foot of new office space, which I think is a huge number and definitely really surprised me. Um you kind of talked a little bit about how you feel that this office construction um, tends to run in cycles. And I'd just like you to maybe explain a little bit more about that. Yeah. Um, so um, it, it's just a, a, a kind of personal observation. I, you know, I haven't done any specific research on this, but it does feel to me, I mean, you know, so for those who don't know, I worked in the city for pretty much, well, I'd say about 20 years, actually. Um, and really in the city, not in... Um, not in, uh, uh, you know, Canary Wharf. I mean, I went in, obviously had clients and stuff there, but generally speaking, I, I've been in the city for that long. And it's just, it always seemed to me that you would have um, 
an economic boom, everything would be going well, you know, um, business would be going really well. And then that's the time when companies say, right, you know, we need more people, we need to hire more, we need more space. Um, and mm-hmm. then the developers would, would build something really massive and funky and expensive. Um, but the problem is, is that they decide that. So everything's going well. People decide we need more space. Developers say, OK, we'll build you more stuff. But then there is a huge lag between when mm-hmm. they decide to do it, um, when it gets planning permission, when, you know, when they've knocked the old building down, when they then build a new, you know, mm-hmm. it takes apps. It takes years. And quite often, I it seems to me that, you know, they they've promised to build and have built right at the top of the cycle. And then by the time the thing's actually ready for people to go in, um, then you know the the cycle has changed and things are terrible and everyone's losing their job and so actually you don't need this big space anymore. Mm. But I mean the interesting thing here is it almost seems like it's they've gone the other way round in that you know there's tons of there's potentially tons of office space coming onto the market mm-hmm. because um, supposedly companies are are cutting well. I mean, you know, uh, HSBC is cutting 40 percent or something of its global office footprints. And I think, you know, Lloyd's is 20 percent or something. You know, so a lot of these they're cutting um, and yet they are announcing these, you know, a, a big increase in office space. Mm-hmm. So maybe this will they are now doing it the other way around so that by the time this stuff is is, um, you know, actually gets built, maybe the, the economy will be rocking, you know, so. Um, in a good way. Well, that's so, certainly what Mark Dixon is hoping for, clearly. Um, well, I think he's also talking his own book as yeah, well, yeah. let's face it. I mean, you know, uh, okay, here's the guy who runs IWG, which provides flexible working. Is he going to be saying, A, oh, I don't think it's go- I don't think flexible working is going to work? Or B, is he going to say, oh, no, flexible working, absolutely amazing. It's just going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, you know, this, this, yeah, he's, he's definitely talking... I, I thought that one of the most interesting things, though, about this was that, um, you know, this 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 uh, this client's NTT, you know, it's one of the biggest companies in Japan mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> in Japan. And I say so I'm half Japanese just to say, again, for full disclosure, I'm half Japanese. I've worked in Japan. I've, I've been at university in Japan, um, you know, and I've worked at Japanese companies and other companies as well. I just think that um, the, the culture is more of a presente is very much presenteeism. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that thing where the well-known thing, uh, which some people might not know if you've not got experience in Japan, but you generally tend to stay until the boss leaves. So, you know, I've seen people in the office virtually for literally falling asleep mm-hmm. on their keyboards, waiting for that, that, um, you know, the guy from the corner office to walk out and then you know and then leave and then they feel they can leave yeah so so this i think that remote working in japan i think remote working in japan in many ways sounds like a really good thing because um certainly in tokyo when i was in tokyo i reckon i think that the average commuting time average in tokyo is about an hour and a half mm-hmm. on the train each way right so it's a long way. So actually, if you can, if you are set up and you can do it from home, it saves people, it will save people a huge amount of time. But it would require, it requires quite a cultural yeah. shift yeah. in terms of thinking. Yeah. Um, 
that was definitely something that I'd asked you about if we thought I'd, I hadn't really thought about it until today. But if we think this great remote working trend might differ country to country and indeed industry to industry, we talked a little bit about how there are obviously going to be some industries where you can't do it from home. Um, you yeah. can't be a delivery driver who just sits at home. It's probably not <laughs> going to work um, unless yeah. I don't know, you create some fancy fandangled device that can throw burritos over your fence. I, I don't see it happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I was hey, there's a, there's an idea. Yeah, a yeah. Burrito, a burrito cannon. <laughs> you know, like those. You know, like um, like the t-shirt know, cannons. Get... Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Like you go to a rock concert. Why not change that for burritos? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> carry on. Carry on. Um, yeah, I was just wondering. You know, do we think that this the attitude to remote working is going to be different um, country to country, and also how how is it going to look within an industry? You know, for those industries where we might assume that people will want to be more at the office. You know, I know you talked mm. about being a broker. You would expect people to be at the office more. It's, I think a little bit more challenging to set up your eight screens in your house and, and get the same mm. kind of assimilation of knowledge while at home. Mm. Um, I mm. kind of asked, I initially thought about it being that the most junior employees and the most senior employees would probably tend to be at the office more. Um, the junior ones, again, to learn by osmosis a little bit, and maybe the senior ones to, to look like they're at the helm, to kind of manage stuff um, on the job. It seemed to me that that would be more challenging to do from home. Um, and mm. to me, that left the middle group of people with some experience but maybe not right at the managing end that might be more inclined to to work from home on occasion um i was just wondering what you felt about that kind of structure if you think it might be slightly different to that okay well i mean i think it the um the working from home thing will vary from country to country because some are probably better set up than others especially mm -hmm. on the broadband front mm -hmm. for instance yeah. so just from a practical point of view there's the cultural aspects, which I would say, you know, that brings in, say, Japan, um, like I say, because they have a culture of um, presenteeism. Mm -hmm. um, so working from home is, is a bit of an anathema um, to them, I think. Plus, also, um, most Japanese uh, sort of in terms of the living space is usually a lot smaller yeah. than, say, someone who works in the Midwest in America, yeah. you know, in, in a big house. So there might be practical considerations that actually people live in smaller places and therefore there is no space for, you know, for work stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing in terms of industry. Um, I, you know, yes, it depends. I mean, because obviously if you've got if I suppose it will be good, you know, um, between services um, and um, say, you know, leisure and oh no, well, that's services. But, you know, it will it will be. White collar and blue collar, yeah. Won't it? I think it'll be white collar. Anything white collar is put is doable, or a lot more white collar stuff is doable from home. Um, blue collar stuff generally you can't do from home, mm. um, so there'll be splits along those lines. But within the actual white collar stuff, um, I don't think it will be necessarily between say junior and senior. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it will depend on the role. Yeah. You know, if you are a revenue generator and you go out and do deals all the time, I would argue you're probably going to go out and, um, you know, make those. You're going to go out and you're going to make those deals. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, um, you know, you if, if that is not your role and it doesn't matter how senior you are, like if you're in HR, for instance, you're probably not going to be traveling. I mean, unless you've got loads of um, overseas offices that you have to absolutely positively have to go and see all, all then, you know, maybe, but I, th I think that 
yeah, it 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 will also depend on your role rather than your rather than your seniority. Yeah. But in terms of in terms of juniors, I I'm a very big believer in the fact that you learn as a junior, you learn so much more um, by being in the yeah, office definitely. because because the whole osmosis thing mm. it really does work. I mean, you know, when I first started at Inbroking, um, you know, I I was I I was sat next to some real you know, really amazing people who got humongous amounts of experience and were really good. So rather than them duplicating their effort, you know, and saying, taking you aside and saying, okay, I'm going to show you how to do this. Mm. Quite often it would be, well, look, Hey, I'm just about to do this, Peter. Um, I'm going to talk to this client. This is the background. Listen into my line. And, you know, you'll, you know, you can ask me questions afterwards. So that's what I do. I, you know, listening to their line, put the mute on, obviously, because uh, <laughs> that could be embarrassing. Um, and then, you know, and then listening. And then afterwards, I say, OK, what did you think of that? And then so that's a learning yeah. experience as well. There's lots and lots of these kinds of things that that can be done in the office that just can't be done over. Yeah, I, so I in- definitely feel the same way. I know that when I first, you know, take a big step into an office and, and start that career journey, I, I don't really want to be doing it from home, ideally. Um, and big kudos yeah. to all the people who have done that in the last year, um, who've managed yeah. that transition that weren't expecting it. Um, That's very hard. Yeah. And, you know, again, actually not just that, but the social aspects. I think there's, you know, there's not enough, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of value to be had in the social aspect mm. because then you know we'd all go out we'd all go out to get I mean it was a, I guess quite a sociable job yeah um but I mean I you know I actually my my uh my boss actually ordered me to go and get drunk with everyone <laughs> they, he made a list of about 20 people and he said I want you your homework is to get drunk with every single one of these people over the next three months and I will pay for everything wow so it was like, okay. That really is <laughs> an ideal best. homework assignment, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it is, it is. Um, but, you know, it worked. It yeah. worked because, you know, I, I got to know these people. And, um, and actually, so when I, when I transferred to Tokyo and I was phoning up, I would have to phone these people. And they knew who yeah. I was. Yeah, it'd be, I, you know, they would know who it was. And, you know, I would get more better treatment Mm -hmm. basically rather than someone who they didn't know and they say okay no that's fine and you're left you because you're working in a remote office that no one really knows much Mm -hmm. about you'll just get left behind whereas if they know you then it's like oh yeah it's that you know it's pete's over there yeah okay let's help him out so that was that was very good yeah i think it's an important bonding exercise between co-workers but also to kind of secure that element of trust with clients that is so crucial and i know there are people who can secure clients just over the phone or by email but that seems a lot more difficult to me than than meeting them having having a good lunch paying for a nice sushi meal or whatever and and securing a (laughs) A good deal that way i mean we are yeah. instinctively social creatures i think it would be very challenging to see a total move to remote working or a hybrid format that is kind of messy we also talked about i i thought your idea was really interesting about potentially having everyone on a similar remote working schedule because what i've heard up to this point has been people saying you know maybe they'd get to take one or two days off a week they could choose what would suit them mm. but what you were kind of saying was that it would make probably more sense to have everybody have monday and friday working from home and then in the office tuesday mm. to thursday and i thought that seemed a lot more sensible to me so that you wouldn't have to be worrying oh is that person in the office today do i need to uh, mm. drop them an email at their home are they picking up their kids that that kind mm. of thing yeah i mean i you know that's i mean that's my sort of 
would be my what sounds like a simple suggest you know uh, mm. solution in the sense that you get the the best of yeah. both a bit like the you know that bread the bread uh where you have wholemeal and what you know the the goodness of wholemeal and the and the and the uh the palatability <laughs> of white breads um you know kind of same kind of thing i think that with with um uh you know with with say tuesday wednesday and thursday um you've got the advantages of everyone knowing where everyone is yeah um so you're all there yeah rather than as you say thinking where is Dave today is he <laughs> off doing this or mm-hmm. whatever um you know you, so you've got that and and it's good for the um it's good for the uh juniors because they will know how you know they will be able to do the whole osmosis yeah. thing but also the Monday and Friday um uh, you know working from home gives people a bit of um a bit of space yeah um and actually in some ways it might even be better because because it gives you again for juniors it might gives you time to absorb um the the stuff that you've actually learned whereas you know sometimes i suppose it can get a bit of overwhelming if you're faced by loads of stuff all day every day but yeah uh, and i definitely think we'd all agree that productivity is probably going to improve when employee well-being is improving and i think having a mixture of of the two would would be beneficial for most people um yeah, I yeah. think that was that was a really interesting discussion. It would be really interesting to hear from some of our listeners about where they think these trends are going. But um, I guess moving yeah. on from that a little bit, what was your most interesting story of the day, Peter? Yeah, um, I really like the MLS story. Um, I think so. The fact uh, so this was all this was all about um, the company. So Marks and Spencer saying that they are now they now have presence in over a hundred countries. Um, in terms of online mm-hmm. shopping. So um, they've got the new websites in 46 countries, including Argentina, Fiji, Nepal, and Uzbekistan. I mean, it's quite, I mean, it's, you know, some of them probably a bit more <laughs> random than others, but I mean, I do think this is a, this is potentially a great way for MS to expand yeah. um, and minimize the risk and expense of going somewhere and then finding in fact that they, they're not going to do very mm-hmm. well there. Um, I think this is a this is a good idea. Um, you know, it just seems to me MS go tends to be very much I say boom and boom bust, but what often happens um with MS is everyone goes, Oh, it's just oh it's so boring, it's so boring, let's change it. So then someone some bright spark comes in, changes it, you know, puts in some new initiatives, they work, you know relatively well or very well uh, in some cases um things start booming everything goes well and then it just goes mm-hmm. stale again and then management gets management gets booted because it's it's uh you know they they it's their fault and and stuff um then someone new comes in then they do something new and then it goes up again and it just seems you know you have this it, i've seen this cycle a number of times over the years and it just seems to me, you know, you kind of wish um, mm. that really is a bit more um, consistently yeah. innovative, yeah. you know, like say, I mean, I, you know, we were saying earlier, I mean, I, one of my favorite retailers is Ikea because, yeah, because definitely. of that, they're very, you know, the, what I love about what they're doing at the moment is, you know, they, they've had this model that's worked really well for them for, you know decades and now they are thinking right you know everything is changing 
that format probably isn't going to be where we want to be in in, mm. in the future. So let's try let's try this. You know, let's try city centres. Let's try um, reselling furniture. Mm. You know, let's try you know let's try all these different things and then seeing what works. You know, and it's good that they're seeing that themselves rather than being forced into it. Yeah, definitely. Whereas it feels to me, in contrast to that, M&S is, is a bit more of a, oh, you know, they wait until things really horrendous. And then yeah. they they sweep the, you know, they sweep through, do a bit of a, do a bit of a revamp. And it just seems that they, maybe they are, is this, are they turning the corner? Because you've got, um, uh, you know, Ocado, um, you know, there were a few hiccups initially, but, you know, Ocado sorting out their um, online food and everything. So I think that's good. Yeah. Um, and then you've got on the clothing side, you've got them, um, the, uh, you know, actually getting in some different brands. So I think it's Nobody's Child is one and Ghost they're doing and mm. they're doing um, and also uh, Jaeger they bought recently. So all these things. And then yet, yet I think they're not completely fully integrated. But yeah suddenly you've got something that is approximating um a, a bit of a turnaround mm-hmm. um and i think it, it could be it could be really it could be really interesting maybe they are, are going and and you know so they're getting the food right the the clothing seems to be going in the right direction and i think this in terms of you know expanding um online overseas is a great way be- of of expanding because it if it doesn't cost that much um, and if it works, and let's say people love um, uh, M&S underwear in Fiji uh, <laughs> and T-shirts and stuff, suddenly they can go, you know, if that goes through the roof and they think, well, you know, that seems to be really popular. They can use this this um, activity to judge where they would be best uh, but it would be best place to have a physical presence. Yeah, yeah. So, definitely. I mean, that that would be really good rather than, going to some company, paying them millions of quid uh, to go and do some random surveys to people who don't know what they're talking about and to go, oh, yeah, you need to do a, you know, you need to go here or you need to go there. Mm. You know, they can do it themselves and it'll be a lot cheaper and probably more accurate as well. Mm. Yeah, I think up until this point, it seems like M&S is everyone's long adored favourite TV show that's just gone on a bit too long rather Mm. than Ikea, you know, cutting it short at the point where everyone still loves it and ensuring they won't renew it and so everybody considers it a great whereas it feels like we're getting into the later seasons the quality's going down a little bit and hopefully this can pick them back up again um yeah yeah, i definitely agree with you it it seems like a a lower risk venture to try to explore on their own terms rather than hiring um Mm. an additional third party to kind of look into the markets for Mm. them although i do think yeah some of the some of the places they've chosen seem a little bit random initially maybe they know something we don't know and that Mm. fiji has a great demand for uh, I don't know, seamless underwear, whatever it is that M&S underwear is the selling point for it. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's there's the other aspects as well, potentially, of the food, I reckon. I mean, you know, like you were saying, mm. I think, um, you know, the potential the potential for uh, Percy Pig world dominance. Yeah, Percy um... Pig, Colin the Caterpillar <laughs> taking over. I mean, yeah. that is a British classic. I can't, That's I can't right. see anyone. That's something that you would teach people about abroad as a, as a cultural <laughs> classic. You know, you've got your, yeah, the British drink tea. Yeah, we have scones, scones, however you want to say it. But we also yeah. have Percy Pigs and yeah. Collins. And there's a yeah. reason that so many other leading supermarket brands tried to imitate the Colin. It was just so, <laughs> it's an integral 
integral part of, of British yeah. culture. And if they it can is. if they can um, create that abroad and get the same kind of hype for it, yeah, they might be on a yeah. on an upwards track. Oh god, do you know what? I mean, I, I I recently I it was my birthday recently, and I didn't have a Colin. Oh, uh, the I know that's disappointing. That's yeah, and but. Um, I don't know. I, I, the good thing is, is having kids means that you've got more bites of the cherry, as it were. <laughs> so um, could definitely um, uh, slip in a Colin the Caterpillar um, in in a few weeks' time. So uh, yeah, we'll 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 keep everyone updated. Good, good. Yes, very yeah. important. I'm sure the listeners are yeah. itching to hear about that. <laughs> anyway, um, well, that, look, that's it's, it's been fun uh, again, Gabby. Yeah. Uh, today and. Um, thanks very much for listeners listening in and supporting us uh, as always and uh, we will leave you there and uh, bid you a good day and just say that obviously we only talked about a few stories mm-hmm. today uh, in Watson's Daily um, in Watson's Daily today there are a total of 13 stories so you know it's it's always good to have the the uh, you know a, a good spread of stories to give you a good knowledge so that you can talk mm-hmm. like we're talking here um, on a, on on many different subjects. So you know if you like this kind of thing, please subscribe to Watson's Daily. Go to watsonsdaily.com. Uh, but anyway, yeah. that's that's it. Uh, plug over. <laughs> have a have a lovely day, and um, uh, we'll, we'll be back again very soon. Yeah. Many thanks. Thanks. Bye, Bye Peter. Bye.